And now we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. Our narrative today will come from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. We'll go through chapter 2, verse 11. Paul knew the importance of honesty and sincerity in word and action, especially in a situation as in Corinth, where constructive criticism was necessary. So Paul did not come with impressive human wisdom. God wants us to be real and transparent in all our relationships. If we aren't, we may end up lowering ourselves to spreading rumors, gossiping, and second-guessing. Paul had recently made a brief, unscheduled visit to Corinth that was very painful for him and the church. After that visit, he told the church when he would return. But Paul changed his original travel plans. Instead of sailing from Ephesus to Corinth before going to Macedonia, he traveled from Ephesus directly to Macedonia, where he wrote a letter to the Corinthians that caused him much anguish and them much sorrow. Later, as we read on into this passage, we'll see that uh, Paul's change of plans caused some of his accusers to say that he couldn't be trusted, hoping to undermine his authority. Paul said that he was not the type of person to say yes when he meant no. Instead of defending himself, Paul reminded the Corinthians of God's faithfulness. There was no duplicity in God. His promises would be fulfilled and they could count on it. No, the Holy Spirit guarantees that we belong to God and will receive all His benefits. The Holy Spirit guarantees that salvation is ours now and that we will receive so much more when Christ returns. The great comfort and power the Holy Spirit gives in this life is a foretaste or a down payment, if you will, a first installment of the benefits of our eternal life in God's presence. Standing firm is not a way to be saved, but the evidence that a person is really committed to Jesus. We'll see here as we read on into the scripture today that we use church discipline to help keep the church pure and to help wayward people repent. But Satan tries to harm the church by tempting it to use discipline in an unforgiving way. Paul addresses that here in the scripture. So now let's read all about it here in the New Testament. August 27th, the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, through chapter 2, verse 11. We, Paul and his co-workers, can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward you. Our letters have been straightforward, and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't understand us now. Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. Since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice, first on my way to Macedonia, and again when I returned from Macedonia. Then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, 
My word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preached to you. And as God's ultimate yes, He always does what He says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised us. Now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you, so you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. So I decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. For if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. That is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. I wrote that letter in great anguish, with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. And now, as we begin our narrative in the book of Psalms for today, we'll be reading from Psalm chapter 41, verses 1 through 13. Now, the Bible often speaks of God's care for the weak, poor, and needy, and of His blessing those who share this concern. God wants our generosity to reflect His own free giving. As He has blessed us, we should bless others. And as we continue reading in uh, the book of Psalms, here in uh, chapter 41, verse 9, well, this verse is a prophecy of Christ's betrayal. It's referred to in John 13, 18. Judas, one of Jesus' twelve disciples, had spent three years learning from Jesus, traveling and eating with Him, and handling the finances for the group. Eventually, this so-called best friend turned out not to be a best friend after all and betrayed our Lord. Psalms are divided into five books, and each one ends with a, a doxology or an expression of praise to God. The first book of the Psalms, chapters 1 through 41, takes us on a journey through suffering, sorrow, and great joy. It teaches us about God's eternal love and care for us and how we should trust Him, even in the day-to-day -day experiences of life. 
Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. They visit me as if they were my friends. But all the while they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst. He has some fatal disease, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again, so I can pay them back. I know you are pleased with me, for you have not let my enemies triumph over me. You have preserved my life because I am innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. Proverbs 22, verses 5 and 6. Corrupt people walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it.